Chapter 26 Stella It's 11.50 and Laney's asleep. Dee listening, nodding, while scanning the area around the Parkman bandstand, using the filthy energy emanating from the pavilion to stimulate her aggression. Aware of Stella walking to Colonel Kyoto, she pointing to the concrete circle around the target area, he nodding, executing the commands, positioning the soldiers, Stella returning to D. Can he stay with us, he asks. D continuing her scan, saying, no. He's got to stay with my parents and the cardinal on the perimeter. Everyone on plan. Again, Stella went off to speak with him, staying a couple of minutes, returning, saying to Dee, standing ramrod straight, Is it okay? He gave permission to the pool television crew to place three remote-operated cameras inside the bandstand area, one on the ceiling and the others on support columns, but he'll have them removed if you want. Well behind the perimeter, a dozen or so crews doing their best to report the scene. D still scoping the area while talking. I saw them. Probably Mike's too. Looking at Stella, it's okay. Pointing to an eight-foot-tall cylindrical black cloud dead center on the pavilion floor next to the laptop, saying, What's that? Stella, so, two pieces. One, he says five minutes before we got here, nothing there. An instant later, that, she gesturing to the black cloud. No one seeing anyone or anything. Two men got burned while examining it, taken to the hospital. So Kyoto's waiting for you to decide what to do. And the other thing, an intruder, he says. Stella taking Dee's elbow, leading her to the other side of the bandstand. To the stairs, where a firing squad stood frozen in the ready position. Stella saying, At that same moment, he appeared, pointing to the cloud behind them, neither of them looking. Someone broke through the ranks, sat on the steps, and locked his arms around the railing. They've tried pulling him off, but he's too strong. They can't remove him short of beating or shooting him. So, they have guns, D fixed on Stella. So, he says, you asked him to come. Colonel Kyoto disregarding directives, joining the two girls, they looking up at him. Me? Let's take a look. D, the firing squad, potting as she approached with Stella and Kyoto. You! D, closing to striking distance, looking like she might, thinking, of course, who on earth else? Whispering a shout. Wanted for questioning and three murders, and you show up here? You are certifiable, D, saying. Lieutenant Sam and Sergeant Jesse squeezed through the ring of soldiers, the police each taking one of Angel's arms, 
freely given, and pulling him to his feet, he cooperative, even to permitting Philip to front him close enough to rub noses, the tall and athletic Philip, puny against the supersized intruder. What are you doing here, Lieutenant Sam furiously, pulling out his handcuffs, yanking Angel's right hand behind his back, snapping one on, Philip stepping away. Angel looking past them to D. Do I make you nervous? I wouldn't give you the satisfaction. What is it about you? Always where you're wanted the least. Or about you? Always in need. I have the help I need. You think? Whatever. Now what? She loud and impatient. I need to be alone. You are alone. I'll just stay in place and watch. I never interfere. Still loud. I'll tell that to Glenn and the others when I see them next. That's a never. He suddenly tense. Ever. Guaranteed. Standing to full height and unintentionally yanking both officers forward. After a moment of staring, she shook her head, exhaling in exasperation, touching Lieutenant Sam's shoulder with the back of her hand, looking straight at him to forestall objection. He's like a 24-7 migraine that I've adjusted to. Maybe if it suddenly goes away, the peace will throw me off. Ignore him. Let him do what he wants. And back to the intermeddler. That doesn't include crowding me. She walking to join her parents at the perimeter. Give him free reign, the colonel to Stella. We follow her lead, all of us, Stella saying, using her arms and hands to sweep the soldiers to the perimeter, continuing, time for all of us to return to the circle. This while Lieutenant Sam unlocked the cuff. Angel staring down at Lieutenant Sam before returning to stand on the steps while Stella, Philip, and the two police officers drifted to D and Kyoto and his soldiers, responded to Stella's reminder, withdrawing to the perimeter. 10.54, D to the Cardinal. I wonder if I could have your blessing. The request is politic and mood-setting, as her bowing her head, which she did. Angus. The Holy Father himself composed this blessing for me to dispense at the appropriate time. And after fixing a purple stole around his neck and putting his hand on Dee's shoulder, he read from a file card. Dee Mirabile. May God, who empowered our sister Joan and guided our sister Teresa and our brother Francis, bestow the same mercies and blessings upon you in your quest. Take comfort and support from the communion of saints, that mystical body of the living and dead of which Christ is the head. And may your innocence, humility, and dedication to God guide you to success raising his hand and blessing her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everyone adding, Amen. Dee nodded her thanks, and the Cardinal 
taking her head in his hands, kissed her forehead and stepped back. Susan Riley, fighting to break through the army cordon, called D, D, Sergeant Jesse running palms up to stop her. Susan physically brushed her off, almost reaching D before Stella chest bumped her backwards, Susan catching her balance, shouting over Stella's shoulder. The mayor and the whole city's with you, Dee. The whole world. Good luck. Dee neither responding nor looking. Sergeant Jessie used both of her hands to grab Susan's arm and return her to the colonel, he bolstering, he holstering his pistol. Sergeant Jessie sang with her mouth and voice, shoot her if she moves, and with her face, fucking bitch. Dee embraced each of her crying parents, they both saying, We love you, my dear. Dee, this is not a good night for our happy group. I don't know how the story ends. She's stepping forward again and arms around both of their necks in turn kissing each on their wet cheeks. But we've shared a lifetime of joys. I love you both very much. You are the perfect parents. You give me strength turning away, leading Philip, Stella, Sergeant Jesse, and Lieutenant Sam to the bandstand, stopping 20 feet from Angel, 20 feet from the stairs up. Stella put her cell away. Laney sleeping, no change. Dee nodded and handed her coat to Stella while looking at the bandstand with the cloud, the tent. Looking at the bandstand, Take this cup, thinking. Where's Judas, thinking? 11.59 p.m. Angel stepped away at Dee's approach, she ascending without acknowledging his presence, he returning to his post, the fourth step up from the bottom, facing out, arms across his chest. Formidable. At the top of the stairs, Dee paused, taking in the mounted cameras, the deserted street, the rows of soldiers and their vehicles, the scattering of Boston police, her family and friends, her foggy exhales and the stillness. But at midnight, exactly when she stepped onto the bandstand floor, into the black hole of forgetting, she dropped every thought not germane to her mission. She walked past the purple-black cloud, crossing to the laptop, sitting on the top of the cement balustrade, staring down at the screen, displaying an orange pentagram enclosing an orange goat's head against a green background, orange letters remotely typing as she watched. W-E-L-C-O-M-E-D-R-E-A-M-W-E-A-V-E-R. Annoyed, she reached down to the keyboard, one hand entering D. Well, I surrender, the deep voice coming from the black, purple cloud. D instantly turning, seeing the cloud metamorphose into a supersized Nosferatu, saying, You've got me on that one. Boy, round one, D. <laughs> Henceforth, I shall call you by your chosen name. Third one, isn't it? 
D, his head bent to avoid bumping the bandstand ceiling. After a pause, D, are you looking for me? Who are you? She bending her head back to look up into his spotlight bright green speckled orange eyes. Let's not play, D, thrusting his head jeeringly at her. You know who I am. He who once tried to kill you, my lapse. The moment long since passed. You know I won't try that again. The event having turned out very painfully for me. You remember? Actually, I don't, but if that event turned out very painfully for you, so will this. Unless you just withdraw now and avoid the pain. Ah, 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 slowly shaking his head, saying, That was then, furtively glancing at the staircase, Dee following his eyes to the top of Angel's black curls, she angrily realizing he had cheated, ascending a couple of steps, lightly, likely six from the bottom. Dee quickly black-holing her angry reaction to the demon just go. Nothing. So again, I want you to leave. Hollow even to herself. Oops, and I'm still here. Got another tricky trick up your sleeve? Be gone. Dee sweeping her arm while commanding tremulously. Lame. No, worse, embarrassing. A hiatus followed by, well, do you dare? What? To do what you came to do, destroy my website. Sweeping his arm so widely, his long index finger with its ultra-long nail scraped her cheek on its way to pointing to the laptop, a thin stream of blood running down her face the screen displaying a text box messaging, delete server, a large yes button beneath the question, a digital clock showing 57 seconds left, 56. You just double click delete and it's done. That easy, promise, leering. Her exorcism failing so dismally strike one and with no alternative solutions at hand, Dee needed no convincing to swing for the fences at any pitch. So she seized the mouse, pointing and clicking the yes button. That second click never happened, the laptop zapping her with a charge that hurtled her backwards off her feet, she smelling burning flesh before backslamming into one of the pavilion columns, falling the side of her face banging and scraping on the concrete floor, her shoulder providing only a modicum of a buffer. She faded to just shot of black, and if unable to discern colors, she's still at least aware of shapes and shadows, and if devoid of energy, she quickly gained, she quickly enough regained the feel of her body and if insufficiently composed to analyze her predicament, 
she at least aware of a diverting commotion at the foot of the stairs and an opportunity to delay the inevitable third strike. She jumped into Stella's head, seeing Angel blocking both Lieutenant Sam and Sergeant Jesse from rushing the stairs. Lieutenant Sam stepping back, drawing his gun, shouting, Get out of my way or I'll sh Or you'll shoot me? Or I'll shoot you, asshole! Give her a chance, Angel, uncharacteristically gentle. A chance? She may be dead! Shouting, grabbing Angel's jersey, pushing the gun up into his neck. Angel unmoving. She's not dead. Give her a chance. Why are you so sure? Let him be, Stella saying. What? She told me. That was ten safe minutes ago. No? I mean just now. She's in your head? Turning briefly to see Stella nodding. Philip? Lieutenant Sam grasping at straws. D let him stay. She had a reason. Whatever else, he's never hurt her. Close to Angel's impassive face, Lieutenant Sam's words sh shot out with damp gusto while he yanked Angel's shirt collar back and forth with no noticeable movement of either Angel's neck or head, Lieutenant Sam saying, You know you're a fucking freak. Lieutenant Sam releasing the collar and stepping back. If anything happens to her, you'll shoot me, Angel. Count on it, Lieutenant Sam, and then to Colonel Kyoto, stepped forward in support. We'll let him be, the colonel nodding, again withdrawing to the perimeter with his squad of soldiers. Dee returned to her own head in decision time, thinking, the entire world watching strikes one and two, still watching, hoping for their salvation, lying powerless, flat on the cold terrazzo, what a waste, thinking, I can't do this. Even at full strength and far from that at this moment, instead, bruised, exhausted, spent, burnt, concussed, immobile, prostrate, feeble, defeated, drifting, readying to say goodbye, thinking, sleep beckoning, thinking, cannot face a strike three. Drifting far from her mission, Kesada, blessed sleep, my only friend, coming to take me away, thinking. Is Laney sleeping too? She and Laney on parallel paths, on their ways to a spontaneous meetup in the land of milk and honey? Now that a welcome alternative to the ignominy otherwise awaiting her here. She lying still, eyelids near locked. Fading, rushing to oblivion, thinking, mission over, no help, safe back across that bridge burned behind her repeatedly these many months, access to him who may no longer be supplicated, the memory of her betrayal precipitating a wave of shame and sorrow that blocked Dee's desperate reach for sweet senselessness, the resulting conflict 
that single psychological straw too many. The dichotomy of Dee's physical collapse partnering with Dee's rush to oblivion colliding with her re-engaged mind ignited Dee's furious first foray into the dark world of convulsion. Torso, torso vibrating, arms and legs flailing, teeth chattering, the sharp edges designed to pulverize tough sirloin, furiously chomping her bloody tongue, whipping blood left and right, dotting in and out of her mouth, mouth frothing red, irises rolling up into her head, hiding, eyes showing entirely white. The epilepsy continued, Dee having no control of either the paroxysms of her body or the confusion of her mind, which now entertained hundreds thousands even of images of Laney from her infancy to their last moment together an hour ago in her hospital room, the dramatic effect of the images heightening Dee's mental engagement, the increased activity deflecting Dee just an eyelash from sleep, that sleep tantamount to full-blown capitulation. De profundus clamaviate, Domine, she shouted, Sweet Laney, I deserted you after three times, most solemnly vowing to steadfastly stand by you. Has the cock crowed? I betrayed you, and time's run out for me to make up that betrayal. I am so sorry. Body quieting, brain slowing, she mindlessly recited a litany of apologies. Such a difficult daughter, I. You always so patient and understanding, my dear mother and father. I love you. And my Laurie baby and Stella taking you on a mission that I myself doomed before we started on it. I never did deserve such dear faithful friends. And my dear Fritz, my baby brother, so sorry. Never much of a sister to you. Rarely read to you, you love books so much. And to everyone else near me, I'm sorry, Philip, sorry, my dear. And my dear, dear girl, my dear dying Laney, vowing three times to be with you and not. I'm sorry, and to you, dear God, for letting you down, I'm sorry. And from somewhere or someone out of human experience, softly and gently, but irresistibly penetrating both the maelstrom of mankind's near-universal degradation and the cacophony of these lamentations, a single clear chime, incongruous, a dark green, dew-laden grass tuft atop a desert dune, a single clear chime, compelling. <laughs>